This is a podcast by The Straits Times. Hi, I'm Joyce Teo. Welcome to Health Check. The COVID-19 pandemic has changed the way we keep fit. We used to play soccer, swim, or go for Pilates or yoga sessions. Now we just run. Our special guest today, Dr. Tan Ken Jin, an orthopedic surgeon practicing at Mount Elizabeth Novena Hospital, says more people have taken to running as a form of exercise. Some have never run as frequently as they do now. A few of these newbie runners have turned up at his clinic in recent weeks. We speak to him to find out why. Hi, Dr. Tan. Hi, Joyce. Hi. So, can you tell us about the recent cases that you have seen at your clinic? Right now, we are about two months after being in the CB period, and I kind of noticed a trend in the last maybe two weeks at our clinic mm-hmm. that we see many more patients with overuse or stress injuries and stress fractures of their lower limbs. Previously, I'd say typically we might see one patient with a stress fracture of their foot every six weeks, but in mm-hmm. the past two weeks alone, notice that there have been at least five or six people. With various types of stress fractures affecting their lower limbs, this might be affecting their foot bones, their heel bones, ankle, or even in the upper tibia or upper leg bone. Mm, okay, and all from running. Yeah. So interestingly, these patients with the stress fractures, they all developed a fairly uh, sudden pain in their ankle, foot, or knee, and could no longer exercise without pain. Some of them were limping because the limb was painful. And oh, when we okay. spoke to them to find out a little bit more about what happened, we found that quite a lot of them have had to or have chosen to increase their activity and exercise during the CB period because many of the pools and gyms and sports halls have closed. So mm-hmm. they turned to running, jogging, and in some cases interval kind of training at home. For example, one lady was a swimmer and she mainly swam every day for exercise for some time. And because of the、uh, pool closures, she had to change to running daily. She developed quite bad foot pain, and we found that she had developed a stress fracture in her heel bone or calcaneum bone. Another gentleman, for example, he had taken this opportunity because he had more free time to sign on to an online fitness training program.、Mm-hmm. This program involved a lot of high-intensity interval training at home, which involved、right. a lot of jumping, skipping. And one day, as he was doing skipping, he suddenly noticed a pain in his ankle that wouldn't go away. Right. Okay. So these people have been running a lot because if you start running, you're new to it, and you do I don't know maybe ten minutes or twenty minutes. This wouldn't happen, would it? Ah yes,、yeah. so I think the main thing that puts your limbs at risk of developing a stress injury or stress fracture would be the rate、mm-hmm. at which you increase your activity. So this might be in terms of the length of the run, the、mm-hmm. distance, or、mm-hmm. the frequency. And really, how your limb copes with it is based on how much activity you've been doing in the past. So,、mm-hmm. for example, if you were a weekend warrior that ran only once a week for ten、mm-hmm. minutes. Now, if you increased it to twice a week for ten minutes, it may not sound like a lot, but actually, it's doubling the、mm-hmm. amount that your limb is used to. On the、I、other、see. hand, somebody who's been running quite a bit for some time, then、mm-hmm. they have more leeway to increase a little. So, really,、uh, it's about the rate at which we increase the activity. I see. I see. Are there any warning signs? Like, do you know, you know, before you actually get it? Like, do you feel a little pain or some kind of discomfort? Ah yeah, so I think after doing some amount of vigorous exercise, it's quite normal to get some muscle aches and pains.、Mm-hmm. These usually will go away maybe in a day or two with some rest. But、mm-hmm. if it's a stress injury or particularly a stress fracture, 
the area where the stress fracture has developed will be quite a localized area. So the pain is in a very specific area. So for example, if it's a stress fracture at the ankle bone, there will be one mm -hmm. specific area near your ankle that's very painful if you press on it. And the area mm -hmm. is usually swollen, so it's a localized swelling. And every time you walk or you try and run, that mm -hmm. specific area will hurt. So it's quite a localized pain, different from like a generalized muscle ache. And if you rest maybe for a few days, it gets better. But uh, mm -hmm. if you try and run again, mm -hmm. uh, it will definitely hurt. I see. So you would definitely know that it's something that you need to attend to. Yeah, I think most okay. people will be able to tell the difference. Right, right. But how do you prevent it, right? I mean, like, we know we have to do it gradually, but what does that mean? Like, you mentioned the doubling. So let's say if I run, I usually run 10 minutes a week. And, you know, because of COVID, I can only run and I want to increase the intensity. How should I go about doing that? Yeah, so I think really try not to get too excited about increasing the frequency or the mileage too much. <laughs> Most of us agree that if you increase maybe about 10-20% per mm -hmm. week, that is mm -hmm. quite safe. But for somebody who runs maybe once a week for 10 minutes, so increasing that by 20% is not a lot actually. That means the next week you can only run once a week for 12 minutes or twice for 6 minutes. So keeping to something like that mm -hmm. would be a very safe way to increase your mileage. The other thing would be to look at your footwear when you are running or jogging, particularly if you have some foot deformities like flat foot or a bunion. These can be more painful and can affect the biomechanics, also giving you a slightly higher risk for a stress fracture. So you may want a more supportive shoe or a more cushioned shoe. More recently also, we are emphasizing quite a lot on vitamin D and mm. vitamin D's role in stress injuries or stress fractures. We find that many people who develop stress fractures or have slow healing from stress fractures actually have a deficiency in vitamin D. Uh, so it may be important to ensure that your vitamin D level is adequate as well. Right. Oh, but how would I know? So do I take it to prevent getting a stress fracture or do I take it when I have a stress fracture to speed uh, up the healing? Yeah, certainly in people who have already developed a stress fracture, it's quite common for us to give vitamin D supplements. And if we mm. suspect the actual deficiency, we would do a blood test to confirm that. Mm -hmm. uh, and in those patients, they may need even higher doses to help them with their healing. For prevention-wise, I don't think it's necessary to go all the way to do a blood test to check your vitamin D levels, but it's good to mm -hmm. consider perhaps taking some vitamin D supplementation if you're going to increase your lower limb activity a lot. Oh, I see. Okay. Is there any harm of if you take too much vitamin D supplements? Well, most of the over-the-counter type of vitamin D supplements, the dosage won't be too much. So you follow the recommended number of tablets in a bottle. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not easy to get an overdose. I see, okay. But if I don't take the supplements, can I just go in the sun? Like walk around uh, yeah, in the so sun for a while? So exposure to sunlight is a good way to get some vitamin D, get your vitamin D levels up. We usually recommend about perhaps 10 minutes daily mm. and it's good to expose your arms and your legs when you're out in the sun. Mm, okay, like in the morning? Yeah, perhaps it's in fine. the morning ah, or okay. late afternoon. Right, so I don't have to take the supplements uh, if I just walk around for 10 minutes in the sun. Okay. Yeah, well, getting some sunlight is certainly useful for vitamin D. Right, right, okay. That sounds better than taking a supplement. <laughs> Easier as well. Okay. Now, if you like what you're hearing so far, do check out Health Check on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. Now, back to our conversation with orthopedic surgeon Dr. Tan Ken Jin. So if I get a stress fracture, you were saying that for some people, the healing can be slower. Is it usually how long does it take, um, you know, for recovery? 
Ah, yeah. So stress fractures, actually, they are like a microscopic crack in the bone. So mm -hmm. technically, maybe a layman's term would be like a hairline fracture. Mm -hmm. So in normal circumstances, we expect something like that, like a mild fracture to actually heal quite quickly. But the mm -hmm. interesting thing about stress fractures is the reason why the stress fracture occurs is because the bone has been overloaded to mm -hmm. so the point where the cells in the bone are exhausted. So that's why the stress fracture occurs. So after the stress fracture has occurred, mm -hmm. actually the fractures take a bit longer than a normal fracture to heal. And they mm -hmm. can take quite a few months to actually fully heal. And so if, let's say, you are, you've been wanting to try and run to keep fit, you can really throw a spanner into some people's plans. Right, that means you can't exercise for that few months. Yeah, so initially we would usually treat these fractures by asking someone to avoid doing running, jogging and impact activity. In most cases, if there's a real stress fracture, like a crack in the bone, we will also mm -hmm. have to put a device such as like a fracture boot or mm -hmm. ask people to decrease weight bearing on that limb so that the fracture has some opportunity to heal. Then later, as mm -hmm. the fracture is healing, one can return to exercise, but we will still try and avoid impact type of exercise. So, for example, like getting in the pool, using elliptical trainer or bicycle is better than running when healing from a stress fracture. Then, many mm -hmm. months later, when we are quite confident that the fracture is healed, mm -hmm. then it will be safe to gradually again return to impact activity. I see. So, besides this um, stress fractures that you mentioned, what other types of sports injuries can happen if somebody just suddenly increased their exercise you know, within a short period of time? So, the other thing is if there's some underlying deformity or problems in the foot, if one does a lot more running and jogging, then they're more prone to develop symptoms from that underlying problem. So common things we would see are people with flat feet mm -hmm. or bunions. If they've chosen to run or jog a lot during this period, then they're much more likely to get arch aches from their flat feet, much more likely to get increasing symptoms from their bunion. Okay, so that will mean a period of like no exercise as well? Yeah, so that will probably set them back again. Not as bad as a stress fracture, but then probably mm. we'll have to look at their footwear, give them appropriate footwear, and then reduce the activity, then slowly increase it again. Right, so we've talked about these people who exercise more during the circuit breaker, right? What about, you know, those people who have been staying at home, not moving around much? You know, actually, they don't even really go out. What type of, like, aches or pains would they have? Uh, yeah, I guess the other group could be people being a lot more sedentary during this mm -hmm. uh, work-from-home period. So if let's say the whole day you're doing Zoom meetings, for mm -hmm. example, <laughs> this period of prolonged sitting actually puts a lot of strain on our spine, our lower mm -hmm. back and neck in particular. Mm -hmm. So in our spine, there are these spinal discs which are like cushions in our spine. Mm -hmm. And many people don't know this, but the pressure in our spinal discs are the highest and the spinal discs work the most when we are actually sitting for a long period. There's actually mm -hmm. less pressure in the disc when we stand. So prolonged sitting actually makes us more prone to getting back and neck problems. Mm -hmm. uh, and if the posture during the prolonged sitting is not good, then that can make things even worse. So of course during this period, I guess people have different kind of work set up from home. Mm -hmm. um, and if let's say the height at which the laptop is put at or the kind of chair you're using uh, can mm -hmm. affect your posture and so combined with the prolonged sitting period uh, it can give more spinal problems other people who have let's say tight tendons like tight hamstring tendons or tight mm -hmm. calf muscle or tight Achilles or have some background degenerative problems in their joints such as their knee for example mm -hmm. if you sat there for a long time without moving your lower limbs and you get up 
then they are more prone to develop a startup kind of ache and pain or stiffness in the joints. Oh, is this temporary? Does it go away? That kind of startup pain or stiffness tends to get better once you start to move around. So it will affect you most in your first maybe 10, 20 steps. Oh, okay. Then how do you prevent that? Move uh, around so more, stretching? Yeah, so certainly, you know, taking some breaks out of your workstation. Mm-hmm. I usually recommend maybe every hour if you can get up and do some stretching of your legs and of your mm-hmm. back. That can certainly be helpful. If you can improve the ergonomics of your workspace, also that will be definitely helpful. I see. Interesting. So what you said about the you know the stress on you know our back and stuff, is it better then to stand and work? Yeah, so actually standing actually puts less stress on our spine and our spinal discs. So I think it's becoming quite popular in some offices to have stand-up workplaces and it's thought to be better for our backs. But I think mm-hmm. most conventional kind of working environments, we still sit, but we don't realise that if we sit there for a long time, it's not good for our backs. Oh, right, okay. But there's this argument about standing the whole day at work, right, which stresses the, the lower limbs. Ah, yeah, Is so it? if you stand the whole day, then you will put a little bit more pressure on your limbs. But it's non-impactful pressure. Actually, I think mm-hmm. the aches and pains that come in our feet when we mm-hmm. stand the whole day, a lot of times it's because the feet are not moving around. Our feet have a lot of tendons and ligaments in there. Mm-hmm. And they actually need to be stretched out when we walk. So if we just stand on the foot and don't actually use it to walk, you can be a bit, actually, you're correct, a bit more prone to foot pain because you're not actually mobilizing the joints and the tendons. So perhaps mm. the answer is somewhere in between. <laughs> yeah. So like stand for half the day? You are sitting and standing, yeah, or taking breaks from the sitting. Right, so we should have two arrangements, like stand for half the day <laughs> and then sit down for half the day. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so you can optimize both. Right, okay, so nothing. Moderation, everything in moderation. So um, actually, yeah, so to sum it up, what's your advice for newbie runners? You know, you can talk about what you mentioned earlier. So you said uh, about exercising gradually. Yes, so I think just to summarize, if uh, you are running more, a newbie runner, try mm-hmm. not to suddenly increase your frequency or your mileage. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Gradually increasing the frequency and mileage, perhaps about 20% increase per week is best. Mm-hmm. Appropriate footwear is important as well. So mm-hmm. especially if you have any foot problems such as a banyan or a flat foot, you want a white shoe, you want a cushion shoe, something that supports your arch. Stretching, which we didn't talk about, Mm -hmm. Uh, stretching before and after your running is useful. Stretching your calves, your hamstrings, your quads Mm -hmm. before and after running is also useful. And you can consider taking vitamin D supplements or getting adequate sunlight exposure. Right. And when you mentioned the shoes, as in so running shoes for running. Yes, different people have different foot shapes. So it's Mm -hmm. important to get appropriate shoe for your foot. We are moving more towards cushion footwear now. At one time, having very bare foot type of running shoes was thought to be good, but actually we found that it may increase your chance of having a stress fracture. So actually having cushion shoes, supportive shoes is what we feel is best at this point. Right, okay. Thank you for the tips, Dr. Tan. Thank you, Joyce. Thanks, Bell. That's a wrap for Health Check. Thank you very much for listening and do watch out for our next episode in two weeks' time. That was an SBH podcast by The Straits Times. Find us on Spotify, Apple or Google Podcasts or streaming on Google Home. Do feedback to us at podcast.sbh.com.sg. You can also check out more podcasts on various topics at The Straits Times, The Business Times and Money FM 89.3.